and welcome to my hearth. In the last episode, we started to have a look at Harry Potter, and especially Harry Potter as a school story. Now we're going to continue on the theme of Harry Potter and ask one of our questions that we've been asking over the last few episodes. Is Harry Potter an odyssey? Well, funnily enough, it is an odyssey, but in a rather unusual way. It's an odyssey of time. We follow Harry Potter, literally from him being a baby, right up until the nature of the story starts in Hogwarts, and then following him through his entire school career. So the journey he is on is not just a physical one, because he does travel about quite a lot, but it's one to do with time. He grows up through the story. He changes from an infant to an adolescent to a man. And in the process, he is changed. Now, interestingly, as he grows up, he gets more aware of the threat and danger to him from the forces of evil. So his journey is one of the acquiring of knowledge. When I was a child, I thought as a child, but now I'm grown up, I think as a man. And because he does acquire this knowledge, it gives him more power and more strength. He also becomes aware of the fact that there is more danger to him as he grows up. Well, I'm saying more danger. It's just he's more aware of the danger. There's danger to him from as soon as he is born. But as he grows up, he is more aware of the danger and so is therefore able to defend himself more. Now, as I said in the previous episode, if you've not read Harry Potter, I should give this podcast an immediate spoiler alert, because if I'm going to talk about some of the deeper qualities of it, I'm going to have to give away some of the plot. So are there any other qualities of Harry Potter which make it an odyssey. Does he have a crew? Yes, he does. And the crew changes throughout the stories, and it adds to it, and also there are some losses. Moreover, in the original Odyssey, part of the storytelling was to do with the relationships within the crew. And the relationships within Harry and his team change. They have rows, they have arguments, they make up. But eventually they are there with him at the end. The core of his crew are his best friends, Hermione and Ron. If we cast our mind back to the talk about the Lord of the Rings we can see that Harry, Ron and Hermione represent the Greek qualities. Harry is the most spiritual one because he is the wizard who is having to deal with the fight against evil the whole time and understands it. 
at various points in the story, he overcomes it and he has the clue to it. Hermione represents the soul. And remember, in Greek nomenclature, the soul is the mind and the emotions. And it's very often Hermione's intelligence that gets them out of various problems. She knows where to find the knowledge to overcome the problems. If it was a Greek story, she would be the one in contact with the goddess of wisdom. Ron represents the body. He is the most human of the three in the sense that he responds immediately in a very physical way. Yes, he is a wizard, but he's the most human of the wizards. He also has the most boyish quality, and in fact, as he grows up, he's the most adolescent, the most troubled, moody one. He is the best friend who thinks he has been betrayed by Harry. So between the three of them, they represent the qualities of a Greek story. Now, amongst the rest of his fellow schoolmates, there is a great quality of loyalty to Harry. You are either on Harry's team or you are not. Of course, there are many complicated journeys with Harry and his friends. But in the final analysis, they are all on his team. Now, once he grows up, even just a little bit, it's very clear that adults start to join his crew and they are adding a completely different quality because they're adding maturity, experience and knowledge to his team. It's a novel and therefore there are going to be some surprises within the storytelling. And I won't go into them too much. But again, it's to do with, are the adults there to enable him, to enlighten him, or to protect him? And in that way, they do represent some of the qualities of Jason's crew in Jason and the Argonauts, or in fact, in Odysseus's original crew in the Odyssey. Now, is there a recognisable enemy in Harry Potter? And yes, of course, there is. There's Lord Voldemort. And as the journey progresses, we understand why there is a conflict between Harry and Lord Voldemort, but also how their powers have come about and are balanced between them. As in any good Odyssey, this story is, is a fight between good and evil. And as such, it also becomes a fight between a good crew and an evil crew. J.K. Rowling does not shy away from the fact that not everybody comes to a happy ending. And I think that's very important because, remember, she is writing these books to help her son find out about life and to identify its ups and downs. 
it has to be real, or as real as any fantasy book can be, in identifying some of the major obstacles and problems that we face as humans. The heroes in the story might be wizards, but they face all the problems that humans do, to do with love and loyalty and life and death and illness. Although the challenges are very often magical ones for Harry, the main challenges he faces are to do with being human. Now I have already said that he faces various adventures and although most of the adventures happen as part of the journey through time, they are also concerned with place and so in that way they become like an odyssey. There are good places and bad places. Odysseus himself had to face the challenges of dealing with magic. Harry has to deal with the problems of facing bad magic. Now, does Harry speak to a spiritual being? He hears voices in his head, but that's not quite the same as what happened with Odysseus. Harry does have contact with people who have died when he looks in the mirror, but also he does have dreams about them. And of course, that is the main way that Odysseus contacts the goddess. Now, much has been written, and I'm sure will continue to be written, about whether Harry Potter has religious iconography in it. J.K. Rowling has always said that she didn't intend Harry Potter to be the story of a type of Christ. However, the layers of iconography and symbolism and objectivity in the story, if you put them all together, there's more than just a passing resemblance to a type of Christ story. For Harry to be successful, and here's a major spoiler here, uh, he has to die and be resurrected. The part of him which has been affected and infected by Voldemort has to die for Voldemort to lose his power. He does come back to life because of the resurrection stone. And it would be a foolish assumption to think that that is not a religious artefact. What Lord Voldemort is trying to do is to achieve immortality by using these various objects that he has to collect. And the fact that Harry does collect them at various points in the story would suggest that he could have chosen to do that. He could have opted for immortality, but he does not. He recognises that he is human. The symbolism, however, of the hero dying and being resurrected does automatically make it a type of Christ. However, the fact that Harry does not make the leap and decide to become immortal, but keeps as a human being, 
takes away that final connection. Harry knows that he is a human with magical powers and doesn't want to be an immortal. Because the foundations of Hogwarts are based in medieval storytelling, of course, some of the symbolic and important objects feel very medieval and therefore like a kind of medieval iconography of religious observance. They become connected to the art of courtly love and therefore are like the armour of God. There are swords, there are helmets. The wizards create a spiritual shield. These are all things which the medieval church would have understood. However, they don't contain that other level of spiritual meaning that we get in the New Testament. The incantations that the wizards use are not quotes from the Bible. They are magical sayings. And as a result, the religious iconography in the story doesn't go to that final step. However, there are things that we can't ignore. The fact that Voldemort's pet is a large and destructive snake connects it to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. After Harry House, in inverted commas, died, he goes to another place, a spiritual place. He is translated to a heavenly realm, we are led to believe, and he has to decide to leave it. We are in science fantasy here. So whatever J.K. Rowling says, I am sure that people will be writing dissertations and theses for many years to come about whether Harry Potter is a religious text.